Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast, where the political, cultural, technological, and other influential forces of social and mass media are analyzed under the light of critical thinking. You will not find extremist dogma, political partisanship, or herd groupthink here. I won't attempt to convince you of anything. I want to take an unflinching look at complex, hard topics intellectually. In the end, I don't care what you think, just that you think critically, as this allows you to unleash your own intellectual freedom and creativity in how you view the world you live. I am Dr. David Hopkins, adjunct professor of the humanities, your guide on this journey. But enough with the introduction, let's get started. Society functions at its optimal level when nearly all people are conformists. This is a sad fact that those in power fully understand. Modern civilization needs many sheep but very few shepherds. Too many free thinkers is dangerous to the status quo. Thus, those that have power, they tend to manipulate the instruments of influence, which include our media, our public institutions, even social media. They do this in a way that keep the majority of people complacent, even blissfully happy following along with the narrative, whatever the narrative might be, and whatever the rich and the powerful want. We all need to understand this. See, society does a great job celebrating very loudly and vociferously those that make it. We celebrate our icons of business like Bill Gates starting his business in his garage or sports heroes and politicians that come up from nothing and achieve greatness. For those in power, it's important to make sure the nonconformists are celebrated very loudly because it gives everyone hope. Hope that they can break out even though those in power don't keep power if everyone becomes a free thinker and everyone maximizes their own personal potential. People with hope are much easier to control than those without any hope. Yet, in general, for most, if, if we don't understand this complexity of conformity, we become part of the herd, just a cog in the machine. It really has always been that way. You know, the laws of civilization work the best when almost everyone conforms to the existing power structures. Conformity is the act of simply matching attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors to group norms and beliefs. Uh, Politics or being part of the majority or on social issues, it really doesn't matter. Conformity... You feel that pressure at varying levels, depending on the situation and the opinion you may hold. Society has very specific rules. Some of them are incredibly explicit and they're written down, and others are implicit that you just know you should follow. And these norms, in whatever form they take, they're shared by a group of individuals, and that they guide your interactions with them. You know, you can have groups that are incredibly 
positive and the conformity influence is good and others you may have that are toxic or others that are oppressive but the reality is the urge to conform to a group is very strong in all humans so what I want to focus on with our discussion of conformity first and foremost is this phenomena that when you choose to conform to society and subjugate or even discard your own personal desires simply because it's easier to follow the path of least resistance of others rather than creating a new path. So one reason for conformity, that desire because it's easier this way occurs in our lives in both the small group like your family or society as a whole like your political affiliations and may result from might just be some subtle unconscious influences when you don't even really sense something is going on or sometimes it's very direct and it's very overt social pressure the cancel culture that we see out there is a very overt social pressure now I don't know how many times in my academic career I've had students come up to me and say something to the effect you know I really want to pursue this career but my parents say I need to do this as I can make more money or other times I'll hear something to the effect you know I I don't really want to be in college I just choose to go to college because that's what I was expected to do right after high school See, conformist decisions are often driven by it's just easier. It's just easier to do what my parents want to do. It's just easier to do what society tells me I want to do. Um, And, you know, that's to make, they're making the most obvious choice that a group wants them to make. So, for example, an African-American may feel intense pressure to vote for a, a Democrat because that's what blacks do or a white rural man may feel the same pressure to vote republicans because that's what our family and our culture hold as important values it can cross any race both sexes any age group these conformist ideals are held out so we can't be dismissive of conformity and we can't pretend that to not be a conformist is just simply as easy as, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want. You know, that's too facile an approach to this really complex web of human interactions that we all live in. Decision-making and communicating our, our unique self, it requires a really difficult balancing act. As on the one hand, human beings have this innate, desire to be accepted we were not designed to be alone we need other people and belonging to a group is incredibly important to us yet the group whatever the group may be often has goals and objectives and perspectives that are not in alignment all the time with who you as a person at your deepest level are all about and this can leave an individual feeling very stifled or stuck or outright repressed. If we really think about it, 
It's easy to live in the world if you constantly conform to the wishes of society, your parents, your friends. As in this case, you're doing the bidding of the world and doing the the bidding of other people. So there literally is no confrontation whatsoever. But at the same time, it's just as easy to be a nonconformist and follow your own thoughts and beliefs and opinions without any constraint whatsoever. Um, There's a catch here, though. You have to live in complete solitude. Maybe you need to move to the Alaskan outback or move into the mountains of Montana by yourself. Then you will never have to conform to anyone. Both of those solutions are not adequate. The real victory, the real transcendence, and the real intellectually free person is the one who in the middle of the craziness of our modern culture and all the complete all the competing factions that we have in politics and social media family and social groups that in the midst of all this you're able to think critically and independently while at the same time living with the modern world not for the modern world i want to say that one last time the real victory is when you can reach a place where you're living with the modern world, but not for the modern world. So trying to understand why people do the things that they do is an incredibly tricky undertaking. Yet we're going to take on this task as almost invariably our behavior is, is a function of our decisions we make, not our conditions from which we come from. If we can't accept this fact, then we are nothing more than low forms of life dependent on other variables for survival. And I refuse to accept that I'm controlled by others. And it's the fault of quote unquote other people um, for this and that and the other. You know, society is overwhelmed right now with people playing the blame game. In all honesty, I find this incredibly weak and not helpful in, in solving real problems. So if you find all the ills of society in your life being caused by other people, I hate to say this, but you will be a conformist. Because as the winds blow from left to right to up to down, you're going to be swept away in this thing or that thing. Because until you can fully own your situation and you have a belief that other people are responsible for the things that happen in your life, you cannot break out of that conformist mindset and you're going to blow where society takes you. You know, we all have the ability to subordinate what others believe we should do and follow our own values and beliefs, no matter how uncomfortable. We can do it, but yet often we cower in fear and we fail at it. I fail at it. Every one of us at certain times in our lives do this. You know, to break away from the herd mentality, we have to take the initiative and the responsibility to make things happen. Because if not, we will be swept away by this group thing. So let's talk just for a minute about two types of people that are very easily swept away by the wave of conformity. And you may find pieces of you in either one of these. As in reality, 
you know, most people, most of the time, conform. They want to please. Uh, they want to be accepted. They, they want to be comfortable. But the, but the truth is, deep down, many in society, in doing this, hold regrets for not stepping out. And it might not be immediate. It might be one year, two year, five year, 25 years down the road. But they regret not pushing themselves into something. Every person's something is different, but most bury that thing and they actually die with it. So the first person who tends to conform the easiest are people that are very reactive. They spend much of their life on the defensive. Things happen to them and then they react to them versus them acting out proactively. And they tend to be people that are more affected by their social environment. They always have a keen eye towards the changing social weather. Uh, People emotional and reactive are definitely in a lot more danger to become conformist than others. When people treat them well, for example, they feel well. When people don't, they become defensive, upset, sad, protective. It's a real thing in our modern world, the depression, anxiety, or anger that can explode on the scene, especially in social media, where instantaneous feedback can be given not just between the average individual and a movie star or a TV personality, but between each other. And when one is mocked or laughed at or or minimized, we can easily be blown around and we can become conformists. You know, the sad thing is in that social media world, that conformity can even be pressured from people that someone may not even know personally or even met them face to face ever. You know, people who are fixated or even addicted to the acceptance by others are in real danger of spending their lives as conformists. Reactive people also, they build their emotional lives around the behavior of others, empowering the weakness of other people to control them. You know, your ability to not be swept away by people's perception is the essence of an intellectually free, independent thinker. Now, it's important here to note, too, this does not mean that you become mean, evil, condescending, and have to fight against the crowd as many times as as there are insights we can gain from other people and value in the perceptions of the group. But it does mean you get caught up in the wave of their reaction and feel coerced to go along with it. That ends that ends but it doesn't mean you have to fight every single person or get in those mean-spirited debates that we often see online in the internet you know to fight against those reactionary tendencies in your own sight in your own mind don't let intense feelings created by circumstances by conditions by the external environment other people sway you this way or that way the independent free thinker is driven by their own internal values which are carefully thought out and selected and internalized Uh, 
You know, the second type of person I want to talk about are insecure people. They also tend to be conformists. You know, this insecurity can come from many circumstances. Life is really hard and it's not fair. And I would never deny that. Many people have been through a whole lot. Having been a foster parent for many years, I'm I'm blown away by what human beings will do to other people sometimes. You know, whether it's physical, emotional abuse, racism, sexual abuse, bullying, physical disabilities, broken families, you know, while while others just have never truly been able to overcome just internal fear and self-doubt, the the types of people and the types of insecurities that are bred over time, those are real and there's no denying that. And you know, I'm not here to talk about all the psychological potentialities as as if I go down that rabbit hole, there's no way for me to escape it. Yet time and time again, regardless of the past, stories emerge of people who came from horrors and circumstances far worse than I could ever imagine, and they transcend them to rise above the conformist crowd. It is possible, and it does happen every single day. But as we look at insecure people, they they have a very high propensity to clone or attempt to be like somebody else. To sort of mold that other person or that other group and melt them into their own thinking as if that will strengthen them. They fail to realize one critical component that the true strength of their own life is not the sameness, but the uniqueness of their life. I recently ran across an article and it, and it really stunned me. You know, when you read online now, almost nothing seems shocking anymore, but it was a story about a German model and her name was Martina Big and you can look her up and I'm sure you'll find her out there. And she went through some extreme body modification. What she did is she injected a, a tanning material to literally turn herself into a black woman when she was a white blonde from Germany. She said this, and this is why I think it fits so perfectly. She said in this article, quote, if my transformation continues to be so good, I will soon be identical to other black women. You cannot imagine it is a great feeling to become more and more a black woman, end quote. The piece of that that struck me the most was she said, I will soon be identical to other black women. Now, I don't know this person, but from what I read, and what I see pictures of her as a child, I sense extreme insecurity in her look and in her persona. You know, wanting to be identical to other black women, what does that even mean? You know, it's it's such a sad murdering of the self. I would say the same thing of a black who wants to be white or anybody attempting to conform either physically or psychologically to something else that's not their true self. That's an extreme example. 
But, you know, even plastic surgery, just standard plastic surgery, breast augmentation or lip augmentation or whatever it is, it, it is it's basically your psyche trying to conform to another person's perceptions of beauty. And it's really sad. If we look at things outside the emotion and hyperbole, sameness is really uncreative. It's actually incredibly boring. This is why those that chase the things of this world can never be satisfied. As just as a person reaches quote-unquote conformity or sameness, society can, does, and will shift and it will change. And then the person will be left chasing again. And the danger in all that is the further and further one chases down that that path, the further and further they come from discovering their true self. And in the end of life, you can't escape yourself. You are who you are. You know, you see this over and over again. Popular songs, they rise, they reach the top, then they fall from the charts and there's a new innovation. And then all of a sudden you have one song reach and then copycats appear and then it changes. Fashions come into style. Uh, they fall out of style, then they'll reemerge, kind of refreshed later on. Uh, you know, plastic surgery that adds youth today, it's going to need repair tomorrow. Those chasing of things that are outside of yourself will leave a person incredibly empty. Conformity can be a deadly poison. Cultural and societal morals, values, and norms, they, they are always in a state of change. It is possible that a person spends so much time pursuing what they perceive is important to society in this depth desperate attempt to fit in that the person fails to discover their own life, their own passions, their own beliefs, their own values, their own hopes, their own dreams. And insecurity can drive this, uh, this person or you or me to a meandering, meaningless chasing of things. And that's a sad, sad existence. So you know, the next question, what has bred this concept of conformity in modern society? It's ironic that the world of technology, social media and connectivity and, you know, the ability to say what you want when you want to do it. It was supposed to bring about this radical change of individualism, but it has not. You know, so what's causing the conformity? You know, obviously many will say the mass media social media, other te technological innovations, the filter bubbles, the algorithms that track everything we do. Um, and, and all of this is definitely true. But I believe there is a more long-running, more perverse culprit than any of these. And it's more controversial, especially coming from a college instructor. I think it's the in institution of education. Not the seeking of knowledge, wisdom, understanding, technical expertise, but the actual institution of education, because there definitely is a difference. Just as there is an institution of religion versus the teachings of religion, we're conditioned to believe the institution of education is a key, if not the key, to success in our modern world. I would actually argue the opposite school 
trains children to be obedient followers, someday good employees, and someday good consumers. The institution of education fits perfectly into the conformist mindset. Now, before you judge me with blasphemy as a college professor, just hear me out for a minute. The truth is, if we look at it, history is loaded with non-institutionally trained leaders. Many, many well-known Americans never went through that 12-year ringer um, our kids currently go through, and they turned out all right. Uh, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, someone taught them to be sure, but they were not products of a school system, and not one of them was ever graduated from a secondary school. And, you know, in fact, most of the most brilliant thinkers we know in the history of the world had no formal educational training. Well, sometimes they didn't even exist, and other times they just flat out bypass them or did terrible in school. You know, throughout most of the American history, kids, we didn't generally even go to high school, yet unschooled rose to be admirals like Admiral Farragut, inventors like Edison, uh, captains of industry, Carnegie's and Rockefeller's, writers like Herman Melville, Mark Twain and Conrad, and even scholars like Margaret Mead. You know, what I know of our K-12 system from firsthand knowledge from teachers and more frequently from high school students that enter my college classroom is sadly that our public education system is a joke. It's a waste of time for the most part. Now, with the exception of those brilliant, glaring saint instructors who find some way to tap into the soul of their students and deliver you know, the, the true beauty of knowledge and learning despite being in the midst of a cesspool of mediocrity. To those brilliant few in K-12, I just, I completely tip my hat in admiration for how you uphold the field of real teaching in the midst of institutional depravity. Sadly, in the name of conformity, the aim of education is to keep an orderly marching of young minds from step one through step 12 as quickly and efficiently as possible to keep to keep them moving which unfortunately reduces as many individuals as possible to basically the same level we, we're breeding and we're training this standardized citizenry to put down dissent and originality in the name of organization. These students have to march in order from A to Z, and they, we can't stop to make anything individualized whatsoever. We have to keep them moving because the next group is coming right behind them. Sadly, this appears to be the aim in K-12. Um, and the same, sadly is showing itself more and more in higher education. Nonconformists among faculty and students are often quietly dismissed from the conversation or sometimes very publicly removed from their jobs if their politics or social views do not perfectly meld 
with where the social justice or political whims may be blowing at the time. There are now armies of doctorate in education administrators hired in droves who have never taught in a classroom but are taught edge-speak jargon on how to manage education from afar as they sit in beautiful offices paid tens of thousands of dollars more than the actual educators to quote-unquote evaluate, analyze, and critique how the soldiers, the students, are progressing from A to, A to B and whether the frontline officers a.k.a. the instructors, are towing the line to meet the state numeric standard of excellence, which isn't really excellence, but conformity, and also, of course, to know how profitable or unprofitable it is appearing to be. Now, it's wrong for me to overgeneralize everyone. As I can say, I've worked with and continue to work with some exceptional administrators. As far as administrators go as they're often under the same pressures from a different level than the faculty are to conform. Deans report to provosts, provosts report to presidents, presidents to board of directors, and so on and so forth till we get to the money at the state level and ultimately the federal government level so nothing is easy at any level for the nonconformists to survive. The machine is set up and it's really hard to change the ingrained mentality. You know, I I can mock a bit the administrator as I have been one for many, many years and I've held roles of academic dean. I've been a vice president of academic affairs. I've been a school president at various times. So I get what administrators go through. Yet the fact remains there are far too many administrators far too many degrees in education administration with so many specialties and subspecialties and billions and billions of dollars poured into this educational machine that literally have zero impact on the intimate and potentially life-altering moment in the classroom where a student grasps something or is inspired by something that shapes their lives forever. There's just way too much administering to warrant the significance administrators tend to put on themselves and their role way up in their plush offices far away from the classroom and the learning. The further away from the classroom we get, the more and more policy breeds conformity. I hope some administrators are listening to me and consider deeply and honestly how their policies stifle and sometimes prohibit intellectual freedom and breeds conformity, not excellence for our students and future decision makers in this country. As a final note on this topic to administrators, how about this? Keep all your personal politics out of education. It is absurdity that embarrasses the intellectual mind for administrators K-12 schools, even fellow instructors and colleges to choose a quote-unquote good or quote-unquote bad between the two current political parties and then push that party's propaganda on our students as fact. Shame on the instructor. Shame on the administrator who does this. 
I always tell my students day one of class, I don't care what you think. Just that you learn to form your opinions based on critical thinking, logic, rational thought process. I tell them I'll show you how to arrive at conclusions, but it's your job to reach your own conclusions in your own life and your own circumstance. If any administrator is listening to this podcast for true intellectual freedom, remove your personal political opinion from any and all discussions in the institution. We need to celebrate students thinking properly, not personally gaining another sheep convert to either the Democrat or the Republican Party. It shows a very small mind, a closed perspective to preach or espouse the greatness of one of these two parties or degrade the other. Neither is worthy of greatness. Both of them fall short. We need thinkers, not sheep. And to try to influence students to one party or the other based on one's own opinion is a betrayal of true education. We need to show students both sides honestly, ethically, without personal bias. We should want each and every student to be politically active, but we should encourage them to evaluate both sides without prejudice and draw their own conclusions. We should not be breeding codependent children, accepting our views because we told them to. We should be breeding open-minded adult thinkers who arrive at their own decisions. But enough for, enough for me on this topic. Glad I got that off my chest. It's important. But let's return a moment to how this institution of education got started so we can understand where it's going. You know, it, it actually began roughly. It didn't get going till about 1905 uh, to around 1950. But, you know, even after it was institutionalized um, and it started to grow, it started to grow almost nonstop and, and unchecked for our, for over 100 years now. But and it was a slow movement, but this compulsory education idea it eventually gained widespread support. And, you know, by the time we got to the 1940s, 1950s, it was just pretty much accepted as fact and truth and a way of life that Americans would spend their time in the public education system. And so thus students were educated to conform from the time they enter in kindergarten and now pre-kindergarten kind of goes like this we teach them sit here do this study this next take this test pass this test then proceed to the next level complete this level by passing this test congratulations here's your first piece of paper now take that piece of paper to this school progress through this curriculum in this order that i tell you to do it in then you will accumulate these credits and then once you do it long enough with a certain numeric gpa value then we will grant you the title of being quote unquote well-rounded 
Then you can study new topics to be quote unquote functional. Then we'll give you this piece of paper. And with this piece of paper, you can now go to this employer and with the piece of paper it tells you how smart you are and how impressive it is that you have this piece of paper from this school and then you're quote unquote qualified to do this job as specified on this job description but there's a catch to get to the next level of your career i hate to tell you this but you need to go back and get another piece of paper go back to this other institution it's a really important institution with a really important degree um, and you're going to study really hard topics so then once again you're going to take these specific classes in this specific order then you can be conferred an even bigger more important piece of paper with even a more fancy ground gown that you can put on at graduation and then you'll be quote unquote smart enough to be eligible to to do this higher level job based on this training and so on and so forth. It's sad, it's scary, it's depressing, it's devoid of creativity and true intellectual curiosity. Education is one of the biggest breeders of conformity that we have in society. We need to understand this. Does not mean you don't go and you don't go to college but we need to understand this and we need to put pressure on our education institutions so that we bring back we bring back a focus on knowledge and learning and not on going through step a step b step c see just going through steps doesn't teach anybody to be anything but a conformist and I think that's why when I talk to college students about how frustrated they are with the education process, many times it's not feeding their passions, their internal drives to achieve the best of themselves, but rather what it's attempting to do is just forcing them into conformity and they don't want it and they're not excited about it. They feel it's something they have to do because society told them they needed to do it. But we're not doing a good job of creating free thinkers. We're doing a great job of breeding conformists. So thus far, I've talked about reactionary and insecure people tend to be conformists. And we just discussed maybe the most dangerous system of breeding conformity is the one that should create the most intellectual free thinking our education system so we all have to be very very alert especially for those of you that have children going through the system or if you're a college student listening right now uh, or if you're considering going back to college pay attention to these things there are practical things in our own lives, no matter what we do, so we don't fall into that conformity trap. And so let me just run through three or four of these things, I think, that help us breed. And when you study this idea of creative, intellectual, free thinkers, many of them have them in varying degrees. So first of all, you need to be skeptical about your own beliefs. 
you know, the first and foremost important thing you need to do in order to walk the path of nonconformity is to question all the beliefs that have been handed to you by tradition. You know, since birth, we have been exposed to life. All of us have went through different things in different ways. And we need to be honest in self-reflection of those things that we are conforming that really we should not be. Secondly, we need to evaluate what's holding ourselves back or what is holding you back. You know, we can begin to break away or at least distance ourselves from our weaknesses. Uh, From a very early age, we learn to do things we don't enjoy. Uh, to To be in the company of people we don't necessarily like. To work in jobs that we hate without ever complaining about it. You know, there comes a point where you have to grow up, not just get older and evaluate those pieces of your life that might be holding you back. Thirdly, you need to quiet that noise and learn to listen to yourself. You know, instead of just doing things because you should do them, find and do those things you love doing. And when you find them, just start doing them. I know it's simplistic, but what gives you what gives you meaning and purpose to your life? What what are things that bring joy and laughter to your life? You need to just re-engage with those things. Re-engage with groups that fit that thing, whatever that thing is. And you can't get that thing if it's not readily apparent until you quiet yourself down and listen to yourself. You know, Whatever it is, you may say, well, that doesn't have any value for me because I'm not going to make any money doing that. You know, it might not be lucrative. It might not even be a career change as you start. But the key thing is intellectually, mentally, you begin to follow what you love and you engage with it and you invest time in it. And and in doing so, it kind of takes you out of a conformist mindset and puts you back back in touch with those things that make you you Um, and there's great power in that even if it just on the surface isn't going to bring you tons of cash out of the gate it will advance you and who knows what it is it may actually someday lead you down a new career a new life a lucrative engagement Uh, who knows but you have to quiet the noise and you have to listen to yourself and then finally You know, it's time to be honest with other people. And this is one of the hardest things. As if you want to create your own path in life, you need to be true to yourself and to others. Stop saying yes all the time to other people when you feel like and you want to say no. This doesn't mean that you are mean-spirited or loud or obnoxious, condescending. Uh, But there comes a point where to break out of conformity, you need to let others know where you stand and what you want and why you want it. This can take a lot of time, but it is the most important step to separating yourself from that conformist herd mentality. You know, in the end, don't let other people's opinions, their voices, or tactics pressure you. 
But just as importantly, don't let your desire for comfort and ease seduce you into conforming because life is easier just fitting in. Both of them are equally dangerous. So as you go through your life, have your antennas up, have your radar on for both of these. Because when you begin to follow your true values, your true passions, and honestly express yourself, you will begin to live the life you were meant to live. The one that ends where you're supposed to end, not where somebody else thinks you should be. You know, an amazing thing can happen when you break free and become an independent thinker. You know, all that fear, all that anxiety you had of being ostracized if you did not conform, it actually can become the thing that attracts other peoples to you because you are not a conformist. As when you're confident in yourself that you are honestly living out where who you are, people see that and they respect that and it attracts people to you. As humans, we're drawn towards people with honest, ethical, true convictions. We trust it. And when you're conforming to the world, no matter how hard you may try, it will come across as fake and disingenuous. Or at best, you're going to come across as lazy, bored, and uninspiring. Let alone how miserable it may make you feel inside when you're conforming. You know, this topic is hard. We all must challenge ourselves to lead a truly creative life, being who we were designed to be. So the best bet is just jump on the road less traveled. Enjoy the journey. Take baby steps to break away from conformity. We need more independent, free thinkers. As this is actually the very best way to challenge the status quo in society. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found value for the time you invested with me today. For discussion on this topic and many others, I invite you to join our private forums. I personally will be over there and engaging with everyone. And it's just a community of like-minded thinkers just like yourself. If you're not a member yet and looking for a community online that is very different, go to www.daviddhopkins.com. That's www.daviddhopkins.com. Follow the links and you can join us. You know, the best way to expand intellectually is to engage in a real dialogue in a way that fosters growth, understanding, and rigorous discussion without all the name-calling, demagoguery, and flame-throwing silliness of social media and the rest of society. This is what the private forum provides. I would love to see you join. Until the next episode, all my very best to you and your family.